Welcome to Women's Brew, where women talk about beer. In today's episode, we're joined by John from Spookton to talk about their beers and our collective experiences of imposter syndrome. I'm Joanne and this is Tori. Hello, hello. And we're two beer-loving women on a mission to get more people drinking and talking about great beer. Come join us. We are joined today by the wonderful John from Spookton. Hello. Um, so we got we got in contact with you because we saw this awesome beer that's called Imposter Syndrome. And, and the bag. Like, and the bag, yeah. Like you got, you got your bag? I've got my bag as well. Good. Love these. Yeah. So good. Uh, because basically brand, yeah. we talk about <laughs> imposter syndrome way too much. Hello. So <laughs> we thought we'd connect with you, find out all about that and find out about Spookton. Um, so, welcome. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role and the brewery, please? Yeah, um, thank you for having me. Um, so, uh, I was a home brewer and set up uh, Spookton earlier this year as a sort of a, we've started as a contract sort of cuckoo, well, cuckoo brew, contract brew type outfit. Um, yeah, my my history is in home brewing, or my my connection to beer is home. Well, drinking it and home brewing it, and then um, took a bit of a plunge. After, I suppose after the pandemic, it was just a bit like, well, time to time to have a go, sort of thing. And so set up like that, um, and then we released three beers in sort of early June, late May, I think. Um, my memory is not so good, um, and then we've been selling them and getting them sort of out and about, and then uh yeah and so the the concept behind the brewery is that for for each beer that we we brew we give us a sort of a small donation to a local well it hasn't worked out with local but um the the concept was that it would be like local donations to um good causes um in a manner that sort of be ideally the drinker doesn't really notice but makes a big difference to those that receive it um yeah, so there's, there's sort of a, a charitable element to it, but we're not a charity brewery. It's not like um, we're not set up for that for that purpose. Amazing. Um, I didn't, I hadn't noticed that bit until I read it in our questions on our, on our say, script. I, I did notice it because yeah. if you remember our charity beer episode, I actually believe that I yeah. mentioned Spookton okay. <laughs> because I was oh, looking I at breweries. Well, I was looking, We when we did that episode, I... Um, I had been just looking to see like what charity beers were out there like at the moment and I remember coming across the brewery because it had that bit about like we're not a charity brewery a brewery but we do make charitable yeah. beers effectively and I thought that was really interesting so yeah the, the sort of the, the, the idea is that we're a charitable brewery not a charity brewery um and we that's for a number of reasons I suppose one reason is that we don't really some charities don't want to partner with um, an alcohol brand and we respect that. And some charity, and what, what I don't really want to do or what I definitely don't want to do is I never wanted someone to choose us because we were giving to charity. It sort of felt a bit, sort of feels a bit icky. Not icky is the wrong word maybe, but it, it feels a little bit like choose us otherwise you won't give money to charity and so it the the the, it was very early on where it was like well we're not going to put um we're not going to ram it down people's throats that we're doing this because 
a lot of people are giving to charity in a lot of ways and they don't need to sort of have us guilting guilt tripping them in a, in a bottle shop and <clears throat> i think uh, and uh, yeah and so we, we we didn't really want people to to feel like that i suppose um and we wanted to give we wanted to donate to things that we felt um we could sort of highlight and we'd like to sort of talk about them but we didn't want people to feel obliged or um yeah beholden to us to, no, to donating or otherwise and that was the other reason why we we donate based on how many that we brew not how many that we sell um which again was super important for me because i just again i didn't want to sort of like hold anyone hostage sort of saying like well if we don't sell any of these beers you're not getting a donation sort of thing and, and right. it felt a lot better for me to sort of say well okay we're going to brew 1500 liters and that's going to come out at x here it is sort of thing as soon as it's canned or packaged um so that people don't as i say people don't feel sort of obliged or feel like they they must buy ours over someone else because of this i want people to buy it because they like the beer basically because i found you because of that and then i started following you which then led me to seeing imposter syndrome which then made me be like oh wow <laughs> so i think when i had first seen it there wasn't any beer that i could buy so i was like oh i'll just follow and then i'll see when something comes up to be released and that's when i think you had posted about imposter syndrome and that's when i was like oh hang on that their beers are red like there's beers i can buy now this is great yeah, every, every now and again yeah <laughs> um yeah that's really good i mean i think we um we found that i mean i think they were all i think you could buy them from us but i think it, it's, it's pretty risky taking a punt on a sort of a mixed box of six of some brewery you've only just heard of and so um it's nice to sort of wait until it gets to your local bottle shop and you can buy a couple of cans rather than a dozen sort of thing and i think initially it was just a bit slow to get into those sorts of um those shops where um and and now some of them are saying yes which is great and so you might find us in a few wider locations at the moment but that's a lot of hard work (laughs) yeah yeah we've had that story before (laughs) yeah it is what it is there's a lot of good breweries out there at the moment so yes uh right so we're should we crack open this first beer i'm excited Um, to try it now (laughs) yeah we've got giggles which is a dry hopped pale ale excited Where you get all the I think one thing that we like noticed that we really like was just all the names. Yeah, the names are um, really good. And I just, we're really curious on where the names came from. Like, where did where did the name? Well, actually, if we start while we're pouring this, anyways, Spookton. Where did the I read on your website? Yeah. But do you want to say where it came from? Because <laughs> I I read it and I absolutely loved it. So I want you to tell people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the t- so at base. I was playing a game, a computer game like SimCity, and sort of bumbling away and my then girlfriend now wife was like oh have you named your town after me sort of like that and I said and I, I just named it Spookton. and I don't know why but I'd sort of gone that's sort of a funny doesn't mean anything name and then when we were sort of thinking up names for the brewery we sort of felt like we felt like it was I mean, you can call a brewery anything, can't you, really? And so we we sort of were like, we didn't really know what to call it. And then we kept coming back to this idea of sort of local charitable giving and coming back to the idea that it would be really nice if this town or whatever, a village existed and that that's where this sort of money was going to to benefit everyone. Um, and so it's like, it's, it sounds 
weird but it sort of just seemed to fit for us to sort of like that the brewery is the place that we're trying to trying to invent trying to sort of generate um which again sounds a bit wanky but <laughs> I don't think it does at all I think no. it's it, when we talk to like breweries like all we've spoken to like Miracle so it's all about building the community yeah and and it's the community you want to have and and it's kind of like you're building the community that you want for your people how how you envision it to be and I think it's like really noble that you're like I want to do all this like charity stuff but I don't want to make it like someone's holding a gun to your head to be like or support me because I'm doing this over somebody else like you you want to do all the right things and you want to just do it because you're like I just feel like that's the right thing to do and I'm not doing it because like you said for that icky reason or anything yeah. else like that and um I just thought that was when I read that on the website I just thought that was really really cool as a gamer myself I was like I love the fact that you're like <laughs> I just named just named a town this I forgot all about it and well, yeah. like, to name a brewery it's weird. it was sort of yeah, city skylines which is just as I say a sort of a sim city type game and it it was just a throwaway thing and then she sort of reminded me about it a couple of times after and it sort of was, we just found it funny. So um, it's sort of, it's stuck enough to put on a label, I suppose. um, Have you had a drink? Yes. It is really nice. (laughs) It's really lovely. It's nice and light, but it's got lots of like fruitiness. I was going to say the fruitiness in it as well. And it's just got that like, there's like a dry crispness to it as well Mm. that sort of like balances out really well with that fruitiness. And it's it's very um I didn't even look at the ABV but it's very sessionable four percent yeah I say it's a very sessionable beer I feel like it's definitely it's definitely one that you can have like just quite a few of these with friends and just sip it straight like you know how you just kind of you find that you finished a glass more like quicker than you realized yeah I feel like that's one of the beers that you could just drink it quicker than you've even realized that it's in the glass is that the afternoon beer hmm. yeah. For a Sunday yeah. brunch bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mo- Monday night bit. <laughs> it's a Monday it night is. bit. <laughs> it is, absolutely is. Where did the name Giggles come from? Because now I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so, so again, sort of, I mean, taking half a step back, the, the idea for the, the names and for the labels and the layout of the labels is we wanted it to be, I, I keep saying we a lot, but it, it's, it's, it's just me. Um, I wanted it to be very accessible to anyone sort of strolling into a bottle shop, really. And so we wanted it to be clear that these, these are our beers or this is our range. And so like there's like a nice wavy thing on the can that sort of lines up and there's a sort of a bar at the bottom that tells you what's in it and, and what colour it is. And then we wanted things like, like this is a pale ale and so the, the label's pale and just stuff like that. And like the, we, we did a, an oatmeal stout that had a dark label and we'd done a, and the sort of the imposter syndrome one is sort of a bit more hoppy and a bit stronger and it's a bit more vibrant and we wanted people to sort of we wanted to give people a bit of information before they got to it and and that sort of carried over into the names and so the I mean the oatmeal stack is called gloom which is sort of I just really like it as a word and it sort of seemed to be representative of, a, of an oatmeal stack to me and giggles it's just supposed um and giggles is supposed to be sort of similar but with a pale ale it's supposed to be about drinking a few of them at a barbecue and having a few and laughing and sort of socializing without being on a session sort of thing well 
on a sessionable session sort of thing. And so the, the idea is that it's supposed to be, uh, and the, the other thing is I, I quite, the, the check that I do when I, when I named them is like, I, if I was in a pub, I would like a pint of giggles. I think that's a funny thing to say. Yeah. Um, and so like, as I say, my bar for, for running with something is obviously quite low on all this sort of <laughs> stuff. So um, yeah, we went with it and it sort of, se- it seems to fit the beer. And um, it's if for me, if I wanted it to be a fun beer, and it's sort of for me, it is you can drink a lot of it without falling over, and it's fruity and crisp and yeah, drinkable. I suppose is the um, that's the aim. It's funny that you said barbecue beer because I was gonna say like <laughs> I feel like I could my perfect scenario for drinking this feels like it would be in the sun with friends around having a barbecue is very much like what Joe and I would talk about as like a barbecue beer. Exactly yeah. what um, I was going to say. Like, <laughs> yeah, then I was like, I was away. like, it's getting cold and I'm still enjoying it. So I was yeah. like, I won't describe <laughs> as that. And then when you went barbecue, I was like, absolutely. That was no, the first yeah. thing that popped into my head. I mean, you can have barbecues in October and you can I have, do. You can I have, very have, much like, do. <laughs> you can have stouts in August. Um, I think, so I do. it's definitely the beer that I, um, I knew it was decent beer, but I sort of, it wasn't, I didn't love it as, as much as the other two, I suppose. But then I've definitely found that more people, people less into craft beer have really liked it. And so for me, that's like, oh, great. Well, it's a sort of an entry, an entry level um, beer, if you know what I mean. It brings people into the hobby and, or, you know, pastime hobby, I suppose. The hobby is home brewing days, but it brings people into the thing without sort of knocking them around the head with, one flavor or another i suppose it's nothing too it's nothing too bold in the way of like the complexity it's something that it, it the way it's executed you can be a fan of craft beer and still enjoy it the same way as someone that is newer into craft beer you can share that as something that both you know both parties were like because it's well executed but in terms of how how much you know is loaded into the flavor of it it's like it, it doesn't need to be it's it's really good as it is but if you were to put too much different flavor combinations in there that might be off-putting for somebody that doesn't even hasn't really even worked out what they like yet but you yeah. can almost guarantee a pale ale is probably going to land quite well with them and uh, I feel like yeah this is something that I could share with my friends that don't necessarily drink craft beer and they would enjoy it just as much as I would drinking it yeah um, and like that to me is a really, I, I mean, I used to play ultimate Frisbee and we used to spend the entire time trying to get other people to play the sport. And it was always, and we were always sort of up against this sort of, it was just hard work to try and get someone in, involved, I suppose. And with, with, particularly with this beer, I sort of wanted people to, people that would be buying, you know, like a 4% macro lager, I sort of want to get them into craft beer. I sort of don't really care so much about me all the time, like because then you just end up with beer at these sort of extremes of flavor and profile and whatever. And and so for me, if if we're going to be successful or if craft beer is going to grow, it has to be accessible and it has there has to be these sorts of beers that are a little bit more like, okay, this isn't that much from what I used to, but and then here are all the nice things and but this is an independent and they're based in near me sort of thing. And so it's, it's deliberately trying not to scare away people that, that don't like craft beer or don't think they like craft beer yet. 
that's perfect I think Joe and I have spoken about like labels as well and what I really like about the label and I think Joe you'll probably agree is I love it's like it says right on it fresh fruity hoppy like you yeah. know what you're getting yeah. and I really love the fact that you uh, you put the hops that you use because yeah. there's a lot of times that we've gone to look for something for a podcasting purpose or we're trying to do something in particular and we're like cool what does this have in it and then you can't really see what you should expect from it either you know yeah. in terms of the hot profile or just overall flavors and I feel like your label is definitely covered like, I mean it says right on the back you know dry hop with citron Idaho seven you know expect flavors of grapefruit and mango and then on the front where it says you know fresh fruity hoppy four percent like and you're right it's a light color label like giggles has a light connotation yeah. to it in that sense as well right, and it, it is fun it is quite fun going can I have a pint of giggles that would be pretty good <laughs> yeah, that's what we're aiming for. yeah that color your color conventions for the labels I really appreciate that like we talk a lot about how we are drawn to labels when we're buying beer and it there are times where I've bought a beer and it's been a particular color and then I pour it and I'm like oh that's not what I thought it was going to be because it's a subconscious thing yeah because subconsciously I've been like that's going to be like that because it looks like that and yeah and obviously you know you need to sometimes put that aside and drink it and taste it but it is I think it's helpful especially for the people where we're trying to make it more accessible get people in yeah make it clear to them what's in there because you know they pour that out and it's it's very dark it's that's not the feeling that you're getting from it and that's how some people can get put off so you're right like gloom I <laughs> like I wouldn't I, I'm not gonna right. pour gloom, a dark that's... colored can of gloom and then be like this is gonna be super yeah. light colored and so yeah. it is like that just subconscious yeah. thing yeah. I think you don't even think yeah. about yeah, yeah. <laughs> our brains make those connections quickly for us if so it turned out to be a lager I would be <laughs> like well, I'd be like so <laughs> confused I'm like what has happened <laughs> yeah and I, I don't really understand why someone in craft beer wouldn't put the hops on the can. The only thing that I've deduced is that I think sometimes if it's it, and I could be completely wrong, this is just a wild, I like to throw out just here's my wild guess. That's probably completely inaccurate. But the only, thing I can, the only thing I can think of is somebody's, they're brewing at a scale where it might have to change on a regular basis, but it's like a core range beer or something. And it's something they're going to continue to brew but they might not always have the exact same hops. So they sure. don't want to put it to can because then you've got to get new labels made. That's the only reason I can think of why you maybe wouldn't put it on there. Yeah. But I think it's, it's a label thing. You're right. I, I think it's something that like people that it's fine. I guess if you, if you are making it for people that are like entry level, maybe they, that's not what they're looking for. But some of us are like definitely label nerds and we want to kind of know <laughs> the ingredients. We want to be like, Oh, am I tasting this? Or am I getting that? And, mm. And it's really handy to have all that information there, especially I think it can be more helpful because then you can look up the hop and go, what am I expected to get taste wise? Oh, okay, cool. You know, there we go. But I also appreciate if it is like a, if I'm going to spend this money printing a can, maybe don't (laughs) commit to a certain hop that might change. I think you're right. It's the people that are dealing in volumes way beyond my wildest dreams. You're right. (laughs) I think, I think you're right. Definitely. It's it's it doesn't happen that often, but it does tend to be when I've noticed it, it has tended to be like a volume that you said is like big. Quite big. <laughs> <laughs> to the scale that I don't even really know. I just know that it's big. Yeah. <laughs> Ones where they push buttons, they're not yeah. like emptying yeah. out they're not emptying out the mash tun. <laughs> oh, um, right. do you do you choose a different 
charity for each beer or does it all go to the same one? So uh, the original theory or the sort of the concept was that each beer would have a charity that is associated with the beer or could be associated with the beer. And so we managed that with Gloom and that gave money to um, uh, Magic Breakfast. Um, which is a, a sort of a kid's poverty, um, basically feeding children breakfast before they go to school. Um, and the idea, the, the connection there being oatmeal, porridge sort of thing. And nice. so <clears throat> that that's what we would like to do with all of them. But like just when we started, just after we were about to start, I'm sorry, just before we were about to launch, like the um, uh, Ukrainian war happened. And so we were sort of, it was just like, oh, well, we should give some money to that. And so we gave some money. We gave, I think, Giggles' money went to um, Care for Calais, which is a refugee charity based in Calais and do a lot of stuff over here as well. But it's um, about integration and sort of support at that, that point. And we also gave money to the DEC appeal. Um, I think going forward, we would like to do that. But just stuff keeps coming up more and more at the moment that I think probably we don't want to box ourselves into making anything um, d- d- definite, I suppose. Um, we, so th- there's, a, there's a charity near me called, well, sort of it's a, it's a, it's a sort of a social cause called, um, well, so the next, we've just brewed some more giggles and imposter syndrome for keg, and that is likely to benefit a sort of a, a homeless reintegration charity. So reintegration is the wrong word, but sort of, uh, support people as they first move into housing after being um, uh, homeless. Um, but again, it would be nice. Uh, the, the aim is to sort of brew so much beer that we can we can we can be quite picky and sort of tie things in and and be smart. But as I say, there's just so much rubbish going on at the moment that I think we're just for the moment we'll just be giving away money to people that sort of we think it will benefit most in the short in the short term especially with winter coming and all of that um yeah a bit gloomy <laughs> um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's no, no there's no short of causes yeah. to yeah. support to be fair <laughs> and I think uh, I was thinking about this the other day about whether we should I should start um approaching charities and being a little bit more sort of getting them to approve the donation so that I can talk about it a bit bit more openly but I think the more I do that the more I stray into the um sort of icky using them to sell beer and I really don't want to get into that situation of a charity sort of saying well you're making profit off um it's I mean it's like it happens with um pride I'll be like suddenly suddenly charities that do nothing for the LGBTQ community for the rest of the year suddenly they're very pro pride just because they'll sell some more stuff yeah. and that's just that's just it's performative the... it's performative yeah. and like nobody as much as everybody wants to support somebody that is charitable it's like you don't want to be supporting where it crosses that line of like oh it's performative now um, but I yeah. do think that like you know people can sense the bullshit and I think that they can kind of tell when someone's just doing something as a one-off and, and they really don't have a vested interest for the most part I think there are some people yeah. that are quite you know maybe they're quite good actors in that sense but I think it's just like again it comes back to that community you build and I think like when you're building a particular community like people can sense the bullshit and they they can tell like oh this person's not doing it for the right reasons and 
no one wants to spend money with someone where it's just performative they want to know that that person actually genuinely picked out that charity and and cared enough because they cared whether or not that's how they identify or they've been through that situation or or they just care because they've got friends that have and and they want to support it and I think that definitely shines through and and I just I find it really interesting and like in a refreshing way that you're just like yeah I'm struggling with like two parts of myself one that's just like I want to be able to shout about these charities more but then the other's like oh but then I don't want to be seen as performative like because there's not a lot of people that I feel like (laughs) would be in that similar some people would just be like yeah I want to shout about it and it's just interesting that you're like oh I don't I don't want it to come across that way yeah I suppose the way I view it is that if if someone's buying one of my beers, it's probably because they've chosen not to buy another craft beer. And I think that in which case then my success is cannibalizing some element, some other element of the market. No, I don't mind doing that if, if they like the beer or like the stupid things I put on Instagram or something like that. Like I don't particularly mind it if they're making a decision on that. I have a problem with it if, if they're doing it because they think that it's a more worthy choice, I think. Yeah. And so as I say, like I... Um, um, that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to sort of make a beer that non or sort of non-craft drinkers might drink because then that's sort of growing the pie in these horrible words that are currently rolling around. Um, but yeah, so as, as I say, I think if I boast about money, I mean, loads of people give to charity. Everyone gives to charity. It's, it's, like, it's like fine if you're... If someone's producing loads more beer than me, that and they get, and they do a charity beer and it gives more to charity than then that's that's super. And I I don't think I don't think that I want to try and rob rob them of a sale because I'm I'm one of the good guys. It's, it doesn't make sense. So the, yeah, the concept is we brew nice beer and there's also this thing. Um, Love it. <laughs> People also have funny funny ways of looking at it. So I I used to work for a homelessness charity. And we we get brought in the best. My favorite my favorite thing that ever got brought in was a guy turned up with a box of stuff, and it had an unused twenty first birthday card, two martini glasses. Um, okay, okay. Stop. Some, what else did Like like really random bits. Like there's some clothes and things, but there, yeah, just I always sticks out in my mind that there was this. 21st birthday card that hadn't been used and two martini glasses and I was and like you know we gratefully took it and thank you yeah. very much but then I'm like what do you think are the people that we're supporting are going to yeah. do with a 21st birthday card and two martini glasses yeah like you could have taken that to the charity shop but people wouldn't take things to the charity shop because they're like well they're going to make money out of it yeah <laughs> but that money's for the charity and some mm. people are like no I'm not I'm not taking any of my things to a charity shop because they'll make money out of it and it's like the way people view it is really interesting when it comes to charities. Um, so yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting balance that you have to get. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying that I get it right all the time. Um, definitely not. But I, I think charities don't always get it right either. Yeah, exactly. And but I think you make a you make a make a really strong point. My background isn't in in sort of working at charities like like that, and so I sort of feel like I need to take more care, I suppose. And so like with each beer that we release and or have released in the past, we do sort of mention what we're, um, what we're donating, donating, to, donating to, but we don't ram it down everyone's sort of throat every time we mention the beer. Oh, by the way, this is the one that gives to this sort of thing. Right. And so, but equally we've had people that have gone like, 
which charities I don't believe you sort of thing yeah. and sort of send me an email at sort of 11 o'clock on a Sunday night sort of asking me to sort of um <laughs> share my inf- financial information yeah and which I'm happy to do like I think I think if, if someone's that interested then I'm happy to let them know exactly how much we brewed exactly how much we canned and exactly when we were donated into who sort of thing but uh but I don't really want to keep a sort of a running don- donation list of yeah um I gave Oxfam X sort of thing I mean what would be really nice is if we ever have a tap room I'd really I really want to do a like a totalizer that um that ticks up every time someone buys a round oh uh, yeah and so I- Oh, that's amazing. It's an amazing idea because you could put it on a board and you yeah. could like digitize all of it as a person that works in IT. I'm like thinking yeah. of like the, the board that you could make in the background of the charts that someone yeah. buys around and it just goes like like a stock market. Like all of a sudden yeah. it's like, and there's that, another one that goes to charity. Uh, yeah, you sort of buy your cool. buy your round and then it sort of just goes boop and sort of the, the number just slightly ticks up. And so the, the idea the idea being that these aren't these aren't big sums per can, but it all adds up and you sort of turn up on a Saturday at one o'clock at a tap room and then you leave at 10 o'clock and it's a very different total and that would be really cool. And I think, um, again, I don't think it would necessarily have to, it shouldn't necessarily say we gave X to NSPCC, but just to sort of remind people that, hey, like you are continuing to, to contribute even though you don't feel like you are I think it just shows like yeah it's it's a bigger thing than just you as a single person it's a community again it comes back to that it's a community thing isn't it it's like you as a community have done this but yeah I I can understand it's probably difficult being like we don't want to keep running total because you didn't you didn't start the brewery to do that you weren't like I'm doing this for kudos yeah, I, I just want to say I absolutely am keeping a running total. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. I'm keeping receipts yeah. of what I give away just so that I can sort of say, like, just so that if someone goes, hey, just in case I get audited by a member yeah. of the craft beer community that goes, hey, do you really There's give someone? Money? Yeah, no, no. Which, which I understand, yeah. I would understand. Yeah. Absolutely, it's responsible. And it's a responsible thing, like, if you feel yeah. like you want to know, like, it's, it's fair enough to ask. But I can also understand how it's sort of like... Uh, like you, you you keep all of that and you know yeah. what you're doing but you're not necessarily going like here I've posted this up everywhere yeah. for to see because the brewery wasn't it's not like you started it to make it about that you were just yeah. like in the process of us doing this it's also nice for us to do that yes that's that's exactly <laughs> the, the thinking I, I, I want to crack open imposter syndrome because I really want to drink this one. Right, Let's <laughs> crack open imposter syndrome. Because this is, I really want to talk about this one. I'm really excited yeah. about this one. This one we're excited about. Uh, and I'm, I love my little tote bag. Thank you. Oh, I know. I, I love it. Can't wait. Designer, designer in Manchester um, called Emily uh, Lobster House Studios. And she's done some of our, um, she's done some of that sort of branding. Um, yeah. And yeah, she's, she really got the hang, like she understood what sort of the tone and vibe of the brewery was um, like immediately. So um, yeah, she's done a really good job of the tote bags and some other stuff that I've not quite got around to sort of splurging onto Instagram and whatnot, but I mean, it will be in the next few weeks, I'm sure. Uh, Ooh, excited about that. Ooh, that's hoppy. I love it. It's a hoppy one. Yeah, I mean, it says right on it, hazy, hoppy, Ooh. tropical. So I'm like, I feel like that's exactly what I'm getting. It's hazy, <laughs> it's yeah. hoppy, and it's tropical. Yeah. <laughs> Matches up pretty well. 
it's um yeah it's sort of big on pineapple and um tropical fruit without having any fruit in obviously it's it's funny the amount of people like i've had the conversation with they're like <laughs> uh, like oh you've seen it places people are like oh yeah it's the you know the fruit and then like they're like oh it's not the, like you know i'm not tasting the hops i'm not tasting i'm like but you are tasting the hops <laughs> the yeah, hops yeah, that yeah. we use were very <laughs> deliberately picked yeah. so you'd get yeah. those fruits and it's just it, it's it's insane what like effectively a plant can do isn't it (laughs) you're like cool you've taken this green plant basically and then oh you taste that pineapple that is this and it's just a bit like mind-blowing in some ways when you really stop and think about how bold some of the flavors are as well yeah I mean the hops are my favorite bit about brewing and writing recipes and stuff so um yeah I'm pleased that they come across it's really fresh I love it it's yeah so where did this idea to make imposter syndrome come from? The, the beer? Or the, the beer. Okay. Um, the, so the beer came from, it was the type of beer that I like to drink. Um, and then basically over lockdown, I got sort of deep into some homebrew forums about brewing these sorts of beers and started uh, reading quite heavily into um, a brewer in America called Scott Janish, who sort of, he's he knows his stuff with this sort of stuff and he sort of comes at it from a sort of a I suppose a more scientific perspective than than purely sort of here's what I found when I brewed sort of thing um and so over lockdown it was the beer that I brewed most often and sort of tried to refine I suppose um and so that's sort of where the name came from as well in the sort of the um not quite ever thinking it's quite good enough sort of new iterations of um, working it out, um, rebrewing it, double brewing it and splitting it and trying different things and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, that was the, and, and then sort of the name sort of came from that, I suppose, and, and from the rest of the, the process of setting up. It's, it's got to be like having, uh, taking that leap to sort of found a brewery <laughs> that you probably has to have like a lot of like there's probably a lot of imposters in that like really does come into play that whether like you know rightly or wrongly you should feel a particular way I mean all feelings are valid but it's got to be that thing of your like you, you sit and you panic and you just go or do you ever stop and go oh am I doing the right thing like in that process did you ever stop and go am I doing the right thing is this the right thing like yeah. I imagine there's gonna be so much <laughs> of that <laughs> yes obviously multiple times a day uh... <laughs> I think um, I think I I think I've sort of always I mean suffered from is sort of probably a bit over the top, but I think I've always experienced imposter syndrome, and I think that um, I've always found it quite stunting, I suppose. And I and and eventually getting to this point of going, okay, well we are actually going to do this, um, and, and the reason that this beer is called that is because I sort of wanted to sort of point it out is like this is actually it's quite hard for me, and I'm. I'm glad that other people are liking it and it definitely like when you sort of put when you sort of write down and, and do the numbers and go okay we'll brew three beers and there'll be these recipes and it'll go mad and everyone will love them and all that sort of stuff and you go through that one minute and then the other minute you go but what happens if they don't and what happens if what happens if you what happens if you're an idiot sort of thing <laughs> and so I I, I I experienced that quite a lot when s- sort of deciding to set up and so as I say, this beer was the one that went through the most iterations and sort of the one that, I mean, the idea of 
brewing a beer at home and then thinking that you're going to try and get other people to pay you money for it, strangers to pay money for it, is a, I find a very uncomfortable thought. And so I'm glad that people are drinking it. I'm glad that people are enjoying it. I'm glad that it sort of stands up to um, some of the other beers out there. Um, and yeah, it'll, I, it'll always feel a bit sort of DIY independent with me, I think. Um, and this is just a sort of a, it's just an addition of that, I suppose. Um, but yeah, and I, I think the, 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 I think the very cruel thing, I was thinking about this when you were sort of going, we really want to talk about this. Um, the, the very cruel thing about imposter syndrome is that you sort of, you're sort of blind to it in other people, I think. And I think that's like when someone else comes to me and goes, like, they're an amazing singer. And they're sort of telling me, oh, I'm not, I'm not confident enough to do that open mic night. And I'm always like, you idiot. Obviously you're good enough. Go and do it. <laughs> and you can, you can sort of, you can communicate that to them very easily, but it's, it's very difficult to sort of say to yourself, similarly sort of positive, um, positive things. And so, yeah. I sort of just wanted to sort of put it out there and yeah, um, ask me about my imposter syndrome sort of became a bit of a sort of a funny little tagline and um, yeah. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I just want to use it now because like, honestly, when I say like we wanted to talk about it, it's because like, like I said, the amount of times that I we mean, anyone that's listening to this, like they've probably day. heard us talk about it so many times, but also just like, yeah, not on the podcast. Like there were so many times that we were like, we'll just record this and then if no one listens to us like that's also fine yeah. we'll still do it yeah. because we just enjoy yeah. it and we're it like who would listen yeah. to us and then you know joe shared a story with me from the this past weekend i think it was and she was saying that basically she had a conversation with someone who said oh yeah listen to your your podcast and it like inspired me to want to you know pursue a career that they were pursuing and stuff like that and i was just like and even then, even after she told me that, I was like, oh, but it's mainly like you anyways, isn't it? Because you're like, you followed your... And then she was like, no. Girl, it, no. It was, <laughs> it was the podcast, right? It was the podcast. That means that's me and you. And you're the one that actually came up with the idea for the podcast. So yes, it includes you. And but she was like, no. It's those kind of things where it's like, you know, getting... Like, you could have... This is the thing, you're right. Like, the horrible thing about imposter syndrome as well is like, you can get invited to do all the things in the world because of you know something you're doing like you know we could get opportunities to uh I don't know be invited to attend a festival or um I don't know just like there's these things that you know we've been asked to do something in particular or we've managed to get someone to agree to do an interview with us or something like that and and you can go I can't believe that like you know I got invited to speak at this event that I was like I I don't think that I should be doing that like I was like I'm not sure I'm I nearly had to twist her arm to make her do it but that's that exact <laughs> conversation that you're having about like she's like I can't do it oh no I'm not confident enough and I was like you have the experience go yeah. out and do it 100%. and then in the reverse this job offer comes out this job comes up and I'm like oh I don't know and she's like what yeah. are you talking about go and apply for that job like we do it yeah it was that life. it was that moving into the beer industry that she was dealing with yeah. from this homelessness charity and she was like well I don't I don't know I don't know if I really be qualified I, I have not done this and this before and I was like so you apply and they say no and then what like yeah you just carry on doing what you're doing but it, it is very much the thing of like you don't see it in yourself like not that you need our validation but this beer is very good uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's that thing of like you I don't think you need any imposter no, syndrome because this no. beer is delicious but the thing is oh, imposter God. syndrome doesn't 
work in a logical no. way it doesn't just yeah. go like well other people are telling me it's good so it must be great or other people are telling me I'm qualified to do this I mean I even noticed at the beginning when you were saying we do this and we do that and you're like I don't know why I'm saying we because it's me Joe does the exact same thing it. like her beer school she was like we like, do this and we, we do, do that this. and then I'm like we have don't say that because then people are going to think it's us and it's not uh, like <laughs> I've done none of that it's all your hard work to do it <laughs> and it's like own your hard work <laughs> yeah 100% and I, I think um I, th- I think the only way, almost the only way to combat it is to have like a little a social or work circle around you who sort of remind you that, no, actually you do kick ass sort of thing. You, you, you can go for that job or you can do that speech and, and sort of add to people's lives sort of thing. And I think that if you don't have that sort of, I don't know, safety support. net underneath, support yeah, support, yeah, it can be very easy to sort of assume that you actually can't and I think I mean like it's it's a sort of a it's it's a really tough one for people who don't have that safety net and so I'm glad that you both did and I'm, I'm glad that well I'm very glad that I did and managed to get to this point and and when you sort of say well you don't you don't need our validation it's like well actually yeah I do and it's um it's, it's basically like oxygen at the moment it's like hearing <laughs> someone say hearing someone say this is actually quite nice is is, is a big deal and I think I definitely, when I was setting up the brewery, I definitely realised how how much of an impact, like a few of my friends were sort of putting creative stuff on Facebook and one of them was like, oh, I'm taking photos of me swimming sort of thing in open water swimming. And I just started commenting on his stuff and sort of saying, this is really cool. And I was like, I don't think I would have done that before, but it, I, I hope it would make as much of a difference to him that that him saying my beer was good would be to me if you know what I mean yeah so I, I definitely sort of started going out of my way to sort of start telling people that to, to try and be that safety net for other people safety net's the wrong word but try and sort of be that impetus for further creativity of other people I think you could even do that with like strangers because I know this, this yeah. is a slight this is a slight stretch but there's been like numerous times where I've gone out someplace and like one example is I was working at a beer festival and someone had this um this they they came up to the bar and they had this really cool shirt on I'm I love like Japanese stuff and and all that and they they had a shirt that was like a bowl of ramen but it had like a little ramen monster in it and everything and it was just like really cool and he came up to the bar with his partner and I went I really like your shirt your shirt's really cool and he went thank you you've literally just made my entire night and I and I always just think like if you see someone's wearing shoes you like or you see someone wearing a shirt you like something like obviously there's a difference between being creepy like it's how you say it it's the tone in which you say it like you can say it in a non-creepy way to be like I really like that shirt I really like those shoes like they're really cool and that might have taken someone a lot to go they might have put that shirt on and changed it three times going I don't know if this feels right like oh I don't know is it going to look stupid and this and then if you go out they go out and you say your shirt's really cool they'll be like okay and that might have just built their confidence up a little obviously that's a little yeah. bit different than imposter syndrome but like you never know who you're complimenting and how you're complimenting them that might just help boost their confidence just 100%. that little bit to go yes I made the right choice today yeah 100% I think we just like need to be nice to one another like be kind and nice to one another right now that's what everybody needs and uh, one of the things that I've seen like doing my little online business and seeing things is like not everyone can pay for things and especially right now with with the way things are but 
there are little things you can do to support businesses and and you know breweries online you can like their things you can share their things you can write comments and like and like you know share it with your friends and things that's just getting that word out for them like putting those little things in that don't actually cost you anything because you're scrolling through instagram anyway like put a little comment on about how you love that label or that beer looks tasty yeah, yeah. and that's gonna that's just gonna help those breweries out on yeah. and those businesses out and following i mean like i don't know we said it Follows. i don't know if we said it before you were recording but mm-hmm. like people make a decision on whether like shops make a decision on whether a brewery's got lots of followers or not and i'm i'm not begging for followers i, I i'm terrible at that at the best of times but like that sort of thing makes a difference and doesn't cost anything and it's really supportive. And I, I was trying to, I sort of said like in the last couple of weeks, I sort of said, Oh, our, our beers are at this indie shop and this other indie shop and this other indie shop. And if you go and buy our beer from there, you're supporting two, two businesses. Yeah. And it's like, and like that's, that makes such a big difference to the community, I think. And, yeah. um, and that's, that doesn't stop with beer. That's, that's everywhere else as well. Like um, buy, buy from the, brewery if you want and all that but if you if you buy it from your local place as well then you're supporting two places which um twice as nice i suppose i don't know I, it's, i've got a ramen top on at the moment <laughs> do you have a ramen top on you see that oh my god oh, i love that it was a really oh my god i love that so much it was a similar design sort what of. What are the odds that. of that? I know. Yeah, that's really <laughs> this funny. is not planned. Anyway, this is not planned. Um, <laughs> I like your top. Uh, no, it was I, a similar I, design to that, and it, but it had like a like a monster kind of like in the bowl, sort of like lounging in the bowl, and I was just like, "That's amazing. That's super cool as well." <laughs> Love it. There's there's more ramen monsters in fashion than anyone ever everyone expected. <laughs> it's more than I ever thought existed. Yeah, and I was like, "That's cool." Didn't expect to see it again. Then you're like, "Oh, hang on a minute." <laughs> well, there we are. Amazing. I mean, I, I I did email you beforehand. To oh yeah, yeah. I was like, please make sure you yeah. wear your ramen yeah. because I am going to talk about this yeah. story. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. Teamwork, synergy. Amazing. Uh, but it is that thing of I I almost think that when it comes to imposter syndrome, but it'd be interesting to hear like kind of what your take on it is. From the people I've spoken to, it's almost that thing, and I want to like talk about it because I feel like that it might normalize it a little bit more. Is it almost feels like it's something that might that may not ever go away, and it's something that I almost think you kind of have to befriend. Like you almost kind of have to befriend your imposter syndrome and then know when to put it in check. And it would just be interesting to think, like, you know, to understand what your thoughts on it are. Because I have spoken to people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I've been doing this job for." 20 years and I still have day. it's not there all the time but it's that like I still have days when I'm like yeah. what am I doing and so the approach that I tend to take with it is okay well I just befriend it and when I know that I'm thinking like oh I'm not qualified to do this I will you know go to my support system and be like I'm being stupid right now because I'm feeling this way put me in check sort of thing or I just tell myself like you know fake it till you make it you've got this you can do yeah. it and then eventually I start going yeah I can do this and I'm going to rock this and it's going to be great. Um, what, what are thoughts kind of around that? Do you, do you think it's something that you can just overcome? Is it something that you kind of befriend along the way or? I think some people never will, will never and have never experienced it. And I think that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, and I think that's a bit, not sort of up, not upsetting, but it's sort of like, 
I think um, I think I've felt it in everything I've done to some degree. And I think that you have to, yeah, you sort of have to, I don't know, invent a different persona, I suppose. I mean, maybe that's why I say things like, as you said earlier, like, we've done this, we've done that, when actually it's not really a we, it's, it's mainly a me and a couple of other helpers every now and again. But it feels um, like you can celebrate your successes more if you go, oh, yeah, we all did it as a collective. It, yeah, like, it's it almost also, like that acceptance to be like, look, we did a good job, everyone. Yeah, and you can also blame the other person if they don't <laughs> like it. With The other person doesn't exist. But um, I think um, I, I think you, what you sort of said about fake it till you make it, I think that's sort of that's sort of the answer really and I think it's not I think it gets easier with practice um and I've never been quite successful enough to never have to sort of to finally believe that if you know what I mean like I've never quite made it and so it's never quite sort of um uh gone away but I think I think you sort of have to fake it till you make it and I think the other thing that you that I've found beneficial with it is that it's actually quite or if you if you sort of use it correctly, it can be quite a good sort of thing for a checks and balances thing to sort of go like, am I right? Do I need to ask another couple of people for some advice? Um, and definitely, I ended up doing that with sort of how to position the like. I spoke to a couple of charity friends that work in charities, and I spoke to a guy who used to be a, a brewer, and I spoke to a couple more people that know a little bit more about marketing and. Um, and and got some advice and I think that's that sort of niggling thought of imposter syndrome if that encourages you to sort of as you say sort of get a little get a little bit more input um or advice then I think that's probably a good thing um it's yeah it doesn't always feel great when they say I agree with your <laughs> imposter syndrome <laughs> yeah. but, um, uh, but it ha- that happens less than people well, that's, think that's when you yeah. could go that's when you could go oh it wasn't me that did that it was yeah. the, it was the other, we it was, it was the them we. who did that yeah. Yeah. yeah it was my employee <laughs> yeah you go oh uh my employee really messed that one yeah. up so yeah. sorry yeah you start you I'm going to try that now yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna try that with me. I'm gonna be like, yes, we have done this. And then when I when I do something that I'm like, oh, whoops, oh, that wasn't me. That was the employee. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's. I'm not sure how healthy that is. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I I suppose I don't really feel qualified enough to answer that question, sort of fully. In that it's sort of a a brain thing. It's sort of a mental thing. I can all I can sort of say is from my experience is like faking it till I make it has helped as has getting another couple of pieces of advice I suppose easy to say that though I was gonna say yeah I think for everyone I think the key thing is that it's like it is different for everyone and that's why you know not sort of asking you to get a definitive answer from you on how people should handle it it's just kind of widening that normalization of the topic to be like yeah okay well this is how like you know three of us feel about it and and Mm. it's maybe something that if someone's going because I know for, for the longest time, I kind of just thought, okay, well, maybe like it will eventually, you know, this imposter syndrome I feel will eventually go away. And it doesn't matter if I've done, you know, something one time or five times, I was still on the fifth time going, yeah, I don't know if I'm the most qualified person to do this, even though I'd done it four times before. Yeah. Um, So I just kind of thought it was important to put that out there to like normalize, like for me, and I can only speak for myself. I kind of felt like I had to use the fake it till you make it approach because, and I completely agree with what you said, like it gets easier 
the more you kind of do particular things that maybe gave you trouble before, like the more you do it, the easier everything becomes. Um, But I just thought it'd be interesting to get like another viewpoint on it because, Mm. you know, somebody might hear this and go, I just thought that there was something wrong with me that I could do something five times. And after the first four, I still felt nervous or I still felt this way. And it might bring someone comfort to be like, okay, so I'm not the only person that's done that then. And I'm not the only person that sort of questioned themselves knowing that I had done it three times before. So, um, hundred percent. That'd be really nice. As I say, that'd be great. Um, and it happens a lot, like it, it comes up a lot for me in, in doing this at the moment because I mean I'd feel I, I keep sort of saying to myself I think you'd feel a little bit more you'd feel imposter syndrome less if you had that tap room and that that kettle and you had that premises sort of thing but the amount of money that we had to sort of start this up was just that just wasn't feasible and so it sort of it feels a bit harsh to say it but it's like well it, if we did have that, I think we'd probably we, me and my wife, I suppose, would feel a lot more confident about it. But she's she's a hundred percent confident on it in it anyway. It's just mainly convincing myself. But as I say, I think that's if if we weren't cuckoo or contract brewing, then I think we'd we'd um, we'd feel like we'd sort of belonged a little more, I suppose. Um, It'd be interesting to know, like you know, further down the line. So obviously, Joe and I are going to help. Like, we're going to put our like. Uh, positivity hats on further down the line so you know you're, you're gonna get that all of our positivity <laughs> yeah. hats on um we we talk about like what's gonna happen not what might happen it's gonna yeah. happen at yeah some point. when yeah when. it's it's yeah. When, when not if um and and it it kind of feels like the people that we've spoken to before though it's always kind of like cool you've accomplished that but then you're going to think to the next thing so just remember back yeah when that happens remember back to this conversation where you go when I get that tap room, yeah, exactly. I'll feel more confident. And then when it becomes a, a when I get that next level up brew kit, I'll feel I'll feel more like I belong. And you just like remember yeah. back to that moment where you're just like, cool. Yeah. Um, because I think that's the thing is if you're not taking, I almost kind of feel like if you're not taking risks on some like you're always gonna probably feel some mm. level of imposter syndrome if you're taking risks and yeah. you know, no risk, no reward. Um mm-hmm. yeah when that happens but it'll be interesting to know as well where do you like your ideal setup for a tap room if you could have like any setup you'd want and you could have it tomorrow what would your ideal tap room look like we're gonna like will it into into oh yeah no this is, <laughs> we're sort of making we're sort of going we're inventing a dream brewery okay yeah, we're gonna sim city like it. it like like spookton's tap yeah. room you know in a year's time you're like this yeah. is exactly how i'd set it up like what what do you envision as like what you would want? What would be the ideal for you? I think I would like personally. I'd quite like a small-ish brew kit that leaves a lot of space for people to sit around and look at it. And one, I mean, one that would allow you to sort of take a few risks with what you're brewing and be a little bit more adventurous. I think part of me would like a um, part of me cares more what the tap room looks like, really, and what that what that feels like. And I think. I would, that sort of brew tap feeling of going in and sort of actually feeling um, comfortable and relaxed rather than on a big sesh or on uncomfortable benches. <laughs> I was going to say, are we having orange benches or no? It's going to be, are you going to be part of big bench? <laughs> 
I just want you to know, I mean, Joe, Oktoberfest. They are efficient. The, the benches mm-hmm. were at Oktoberfest as well. I took a photo of them. So, but now I've got this thing of every time we go anywhere, it's always it's, it's literally always orange, orange, orange benches. Bench watch, yeah. Yeah, we just um, we just call it big bench. <laughs> They're taking not necessarily advocates for the big benches. Well, we don't. We don't, yeah, no, no, no. We don't advocate the benches. We don't have people. We also don't talk bad about them. We just think, you know, big bench has taken over. Just pointing out the benches. I think think a few tap rooms are a little too uncomfortable. Mm. And I think it makes it feel like you're sort of enduring your time there rather than enjoying it, I suppose. I think Amity in um, up, up towards Leeds Way have got a really nice relaxed feel with comfortable um, um without you sort of feeling like you're sat on an industrial estate and they've got a load of benches in because they're so efficient um and, and i think that makes a difference and i sort of i think people should head oh, i think brewery should head that way a little bit more um because again you sort of it's that whole thing about sort of competing for people you're competing for people's bums really aren't you really you're, yeah you're competing for the person who could either go up to the local pub and could sit about in comfort by a roaring fire and drink Guinness and know exactly what they're getting or drink Peroni and know exactly what they're getting. And I think we should be competing to, tr- as, a, as an industry, we should be competing to try and get those people into our places. And I think having more comfort in tap rooms and making them accessible and sort of um, making them a sort of nicer spaces to sort of spend time in rather than as I say, sort of endure whilst you sort of try the three new IPAs on tap sort of thing, um, which which I'm happy to do. But but I sort of, I think that's probably a fault, fault in me. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, so I think it would be a small brewkit, going back to what you said, um, that sort of, that people want to spend time in really. And that uh, I think it would be really nice. I mean, particularly from the sort of the social aspect of the charitable aspect, it would be really nice to sort of think that, um, sort of organisations could either meet up or find them find themselves using that space as hubs. Um, that'd be really cool. Um, but I mean, this is a fake tap room in my mind. So, um, not yet. They can't. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, can't make a book. Yeah, like sorry, you cannot book. <laughs> not just yet. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Um, yeah, you'd be competing for some space, I think. But. Um, yeah, I think that would be that would be my ideal. Whether we we got as far as looking at a couple of spaces in Liverpool, I live on the world in uh, Merseyside, and we look, looked at a couple of spaces in Cheshire, Chester, really, um, and we're sort of still got an eye, our eye on a space in Chester, sort of thing. So, I think I mean I think the other thing is is that you've you've got to have seventy grand sort of thing, and and I think either it's not cheap. <laughs> yeah. and either either that comes from selling a lot of beer very quickly or it'll come from a bank or some sugar daddy or mummy um who, who who who's happy to look at the books and go well at least at least you're selling what you're making and you're making a bit of money so we'll take a punt on you sort of thing and i think that's i think the sort of the days of i don't know the days of people setting up brew taps and for sort of 15 grand and an ikea chair is long gone feels at the moment especially with all the i mean that's the cost of living stuff at the moment is also making it very challenging i would guess to say the least yeah, yeah i don't really like the idea of taking on a five-year lease at the moment um and the other thing that i quite like the idea about is 
paying another brewery that I like to brew some of my beer so that they're making a bit of money on their downtime sort of thing. Um, that seems like a that seems like a sensible way to go rather than sort of getting a bunch of new shiny shiny vessels in that might be on sale again in two years if things go south sort of thing. And so um, I think in the certainly in the short term in the next six months probably up to a year, a year we'll still be cuckoo and contract brewing. You haven't asked where I brewed them. <laughs> I was oh, well. I was going to oh. say. I, well, I, I thought about asking that, and then I was like, "Oh, I don't know. Is that like a rude thing to ask?" Though, <laughs> to be like, "So, where do you brew yeah. them?" And then I was thinking, like, that might be rude. You might be like, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that." <laughs> well, I'll, I'll ignore the rude question, but yeah, no, I, I think I think there is a slight um, there's a slight sort of uh, stigma to it because it sort of feels like oh, it's not it's not really it's not from your tap room or it's not from your brewery sort of thing like it's your recipe. And I think, yes it's your recipe and i imagine you oversee yeah. it like you've gone in i'm yeah. guessing if you're cookie brewing you've gone in and you've overseen it yeah we were there we were there um uh so we we um <laughs> in the first three beers of brewed at allendale in northumbria um way up north um and we chose them we chose them um, because they've got a, a five barrel kit and a 20 barrel kit and they've got a canning machine that's um, big enough for the 20 barrel kit and so you can brew on the five barrel kit with this awesome canning machine nice and so nice. decided to go with them and use their five barrel kit for the three beers so that um uh so that you could sort of launch with a range without tying up too much cash in, yeah. in stock i suppose because i think most of the other places that have a canning machine on site will be sort of 10 barrel and so do you really want to get 30 barrels of beer for a sort of a three can range um that sounded like that sounded like scary business so um we did it on the their five barrel kit and they've just rebrewed um giggles and imposter syndrome for key keg and that's going to be delivered hopefully at the end of this week um and then we might might choose somewhere else nearby um or clo- slightly closer to home in future um but yeah we're really pleased with how they turned out are all the kegs accounted for already or if somebody is running a business like if they were like i want to buy it for the tap room like yes can they yeah. buy it direct from you o- obviously obviously if anyone wants to get in touch there's some beer available sort of thing so we've got some cans and uh we've got some of these key kegs that are coming in um i think there's only about there's not a lot of each one sort of thing because it's only the five barrel kit um and the first the first brews that we did i got the mix wrong so i put too much in can and not enough in keg um and so we're basically just sort of trying to rectify that with getting more keg this time around um uh learning learning moment um uh but yeah so that we've got some we've got some kegs coming in and yeah they're available they'll, they'll go on ebria um but you can come get them direct and if you're if you're nearby we'll deliver them well sees this opportunity now to say if you want to see it at a bottle shop an independent bottle shop near you go in like i always think like go in and request it like with your with the shop like if you've got a local shop that you go to all the time especially if you've got a really good relationship with whoever runs it like go in and be like this is a beer i want to see here um go in and just request it because me 
<laughs> not you <specifically. laughs> oh, right. anybody anybody that wants to see this it at their local business go in and ask them just go like check yeah. out this i want i, I want spook i want to sure. buy it here and yeah. then they can get in touch with you yeah yeah, yeah i expect you to go to every single <laughs> independent i was gonna shop. say that's an, that's an incredible like, sales technique sort of here you go. You go. I would like to see it in your <laughs> shop, sir or madam. Yeah. You see, glass, uh, sort of glasses with a big nose, and you sort of in the corner. Oh, there's no spook doing here yet. Oh, you've got to that. <laughs> you should go in. You should go in undercover and go. Oh, have you heard about this amazing? Yeah. You can go in as your employee. Like, don't go in as you. Yeah. Go in as your employee. I've got a big wig. Yeah. <laughs> we have a really great beer. For yeah. You. <laughs> I hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I. I've, I've got a, a local bottle shop who I, every now and again, I sort of say, oh, have you heard of so-and-so? And they say, yeah, and we, it's nice to just have a bit of a chat about it. And sometimes he sort of takes a punt on them and that's great. Um, uh, but yeah, no, so we we are selling to, I suppose, to answer the question, we are selling to trade, we are selling to the public on online. We'll be doing markets and stuff like that in the run-up to Christmas. And just sort of, I suppose just hustling a bit really and just sort of putting a bit of effort into selling the beer that we're quite proud of I think and it, that will be we um will be, be like me and a couple of people will be going to markets and um generally for moral support um, <laughs> so you're going to yes. turn up places yeah. for people you're going to go we're all here they're going to be like yeah well, there, there actually is multiple. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what is happening <laughs> There'll be some cardboard cutouts, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. oh, oh my god, it would be amazing if it was just you in cardboard cutouts. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be wearing the same exact outfit as well. It would just be like yeah. you wearing the same shirt in every cardboard cutout. Yeah. Oh, amazing! Oh, the ramen shirt—that's what's got to be. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While we're on the topic of you hustling, is there anything you want to plug? Any markets that you know are coming up? Because now's your opportunity uh, to, sure. to say um, it. <laughs> So we're going back to be, yourself. yeah, back yourself. We, we'll be at, there's one, so I live in near a, a place called New Brighton, which is where I used to live. Um, and that's actually where the the pub that hosted our launch beers, the Bowlegged Beagle, um, it, that's where that was, that's based. And there's, there's a market there in a couple of weeks. And then we'll be in Leventon in October and December the 10th. I know it's December the 10th. I think it's October the 29th, maybe. Um, I don't have my calendar in front of me. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm going to plug stuff, then you can buy cans and, and from our site. It's free shipping at the moment. And if you want to buy for trade, then just drop us a line. There's plenty of ways to get in touch with us and we'll, we'll sort you out, basically. We'll put your links in the show notes so they can Ooh. find you and follow you. Bye. Great. That'd be super. Thank you very much. And okay. thanks very much for, for reaching out because it's um it's nice to it's nice to be seen, I suppose. It's um it's it's nice to nice to be involved. It was it was genuinely, yeah, I was really pleased that you agreed to come chat to us and that like we connected in the first place. Cause like I said, I remember when we were looking through all the charity beers episodes, and then I found the book. This is really interesting and I want to know more. But like I found it right before we recorded, and I was like, I don't have time to try to get this information now. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna follow them. I'm just gonna follow them. Really um, good. And then it popped back up again, and I was like, I remember this brewery. <laughs> so yeah, it's really, really cool. Oh, I'm I'm pleased. Pleased to actually speak to you. Super. Yeah, thank you cool. so much. Thank, thank you so you. much. You're welcome. So we stopped recording 
and then we started having a really good conversation and so we started recording again sorry joe i fucked up your editing oh, my no. bad and i've um, sworn as well. and i sworn so that's two <laughs> that's two strikes now um so i you, ask you do you want, yeah. do you want to ask you again? yeah 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 ask ask again <laughs> sorry uh do you think that imposter syndrome is felt more by women than men and and my response to that was um i think it really de- i can't say like hard and fast across everything i can't speak for everybody but uh from what i found from the conversations i've had and what i've observed within the beer community um when it comes to things that are historically male dominated now whether that has shifted in recent years and there are more women involved but anything that has those like historic connotations like joe and i having worked in it before she moved to beer or us having a podcast uh, about beer where the main people that host podcasts about beer are men or um, in the communities where the majority of people posting and talking about beer are men especially craft beer um, I find that we tend to have the imposter syndrome. for the people I've spoken to we're the more vocal about having the imposter syndrome and I think that's just because um the experiences, and again, I can't speak for everyone. I want to be very clear. I can only speak for myself and the conversations I've had. Um, we'll say something and and it almost feels like we have to justify why we've said what we've said or we feel we have to clarify what we said. Or um, But we look at our male counterparts and, and a lot of them just go like, this is what something tastes like. And this is, I'm saying it with confidence, whether that's fake it till you make it confidence or whatever else they just go I've said something and whether that's right or wrong I've said it and if it's wrong then like yeah sorry um but what I've observed is a lot of times is like a woman will say something and then it there will be a lot of questions off the back end of that and so I think when you see that happening to other people and it happens to you you tend to build up this bit of imposter syndrome where you're like oh okay well going forward I don't know if I am qualified to talk about this and I don't know if I and all those little things add up and we start going oh maybe I shouldn't have this and then I guess that's where we get the initiatives like you know brave noise where we're like everyone should be equal to have kind of yeah you know equal space in the community and all that and that's really great but um Mm. yeah that's that's my (laughs) that's my diatribe on the imposter syndrome when it comes to women versus men like I said it's not a hard and fast rule I'm I'm not suggesting that you know men don't feel obviously that's not true like we've been having this conversation with you like it's not um it's just strictly from what I've I've observed and the conversations I've had it does feel like at least the female side of it is is a little bit more vocal about having these um quite frank conversations about feeling that way i don't know joe do you have anything to add to that i think it's that because it it, uh, maybe it's also a little bit of learned behavior because it's that you know oh i really like this band and then someone goes okay well what's your favorite track off of this really obscure album of theirs (laughs) like you know we get the same thing in beer oh you say you like ipa so what's your favorite oh you like european beer then you must like blah 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 and you're like why must I? Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I can like whatever yeah. I want. You know, that's the whole point of beer, that there's so many different things that you can like. And that, then you see that another just... person that posts the set, like yeah. a very similar thing and everyone yeah. goes like, yeah. Yeah, well done. Yeah. And you're, you're like, like oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's difficult. I can believe but... it, yeah. yeah. I, I sort of assume that particularly in beer, I mean, just speaking about beer now, I can, I sort of assume that women working in beer will feel it more than men just from the sort of the pervading sort of 
beerness of it sort of thing yeah. um uh, representation as well like you don't yeah. see yeah. a lot of breweries you know when you see a brewery that has like a female brewer or has someone that's in like the, that position like um the fact that we have to clarify that it's a female brewer yeah yeah. Like, yeah oh they've yeah. got a fi- oh i didn't realize this beer was made by or non a yeah or, 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 mm, or non-binary yeah. or something yeah. like that it's yeah, like or, yeah someone non-binary someone yeah, yeah. yeah one yeah. of our queer folk like people of color like all of that I think it was like when we when we spoke to like Vendy at Vault City and she was we talked to the, them about the you know we talked to Vendy about the brave noise beer that they did and mm. um you know she was saying about how like actually the diversity that they have there is 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 quite good they have a lot of yeah. like female staff and then she said it is something that like somebody comes into the business and it's like oh it's quite diverse and mm. everyone really likes that and it's the when you can see it it's that old thing of you know you can see it you can be it and I think yeah, yeah. in a lot of these situations because it's not it's becoming better like I don't want to suggest that it's not becoming better but because you know it's still not to that wider scale yeah. um that you see it it can sometimes like Joe said like you can kind of go oh maybe I'm not you know I don't see it maybe I don't maybe that's not for me to do or maybe you know I, I don't yeah. know if any of that just made sense no I think I think it <laughs> all made sense everyone. yeah I think it all made sense and I think I think you're probably right it's probably getting a bit better but it's pretty slow or it feels like it's slow from where I'm looking I'm yeah like with all the sort of things that came out in the last sort of 12 months about people's workplaces it just feels like everyone's just gone a bit slow on it again and oh, I think it's incredibly frustrating when you see that right. and you're like, why are we not more angry about this as a community? Yeah. Well, I think I think one thing that I sort of struggled with is sort of hearing all those stories and then sort of everyone going back to normal. And I found that yeah. really upsetting, actually, because I, I think there were some stories about some companies and people. And it was like, well, OK. I was like, well, I'm not buying from this company again, sort of thing. And I, I assume that everyone, a lot of other people agreed with that sort of thought. Like, I assume that there were some people, there were people like me that went, well, I'm not buying from so and so anymore. But it feels like I'm seeing a lot of people going back to those places. And I, yeah. and I, it's very, as someone who's outside of those inner circles, which I am, uh, it, it feels, I, I can't, I haven't, I haven't got any evidence that and there's been any improvement. On yeah. any of these things yeah and so yeah. therefore i'm sitting here going well okay why is everyone else going back to them why is everyone else happy with this i've not seen any evidence of it i think we've had exact we've we've had yeah, pretty we've much had identical conversations, conversations um but it's that thing of you know you start speaking up about it and especially when it's to somebody that it you know Affects. doesn't impact them yeah. and or or you know this spot gets i don't know gets good beer in or there's this or that there's always kind of some type of justification why or actually you know it was that guy it that feels left. okay mm-hmm. and yeah or and, it was that guy that left or and if and if you say it and I'm supporting these these ones. and and it and it feels like when you raise it people just go well let's leave politics out of craft beer and you kind of go like but you can't like that's not no, no, no. That is craft beer. These people who say, oh, leave politics out of craft beer. What, the thing that, like, an enormous part of money, enormous part of, I get taxed an enormous amount, and it goes to 
politics. It goes to the, the government. Yeah. You can't tell me it's, it's, reg- it's highly regulated by the government. You can't tell me that it's not political. You can't tell me that, that any, or this should be something that we enjoy without politics. That is complete rubbish. And it infuriates me so much. Like it's the same with the people who say keep, keep politics out of sport. It, it's almost completely politics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it what, what really gets me is like you'd I'd see like you know similar people saying keep politics out of beer when it was something that it was a story about something that was um like aggression towards women or people of color or something like that um and then like and this is no slight this I, I'm not suggesting this is not a charity support by any means but then they go like okay like um drinkers from Ukraine like support that and then you go it's obviously it's a that fantastic thing to support it's a fantastic thing to support yeah, do support but it. now i'm con- like on one yeah. hand you were saying <laughs> keep beer out of politics that's you know now you're saying put beer in politics and you're like you know both both are very you know it, it's important topics you know you shouldn't just keep beer out of politics yeah. like beer is all i mean really craft beer is all about politics so 100%. that's what i would find the most frustrating is i'd be like the only thing that I can see here is that this was a keep beer out of politics because it didn't impact yeah. you or, or you couldn't identify with that, yeah. which is fine because like maybe you're not as passionate about that topic as you are about another topic. And like, that's totally fine. But to use the keep beer out of politics argument was just like, so, 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 so frustrating. 100%. Yeah. It was. We've had this conversation a lot. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. No, no, no. We're going to keep, but we're going to keep having it because if we don't keep talking about it, like you said, these things are going to peter off and then people are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy that beer again. It's it's nice and it's refreshing to have the conversation because this is where it links back into imposter syndrome is because then sometimes it can feel like, is it us? Yeah. Are we just, are we wildly wrong? Like, have we completely. You know, Am I being frustration a in our heads. woman? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, is this frustration in our heads? Is this yeah. something that, you know, we're overreacting to? Or, yeah. you know, it's... So it's really nice to have a conversation with an outside person who, like, full honestly, like, you know, we didn't have this conversation before, you know, we've, we've not spoken all that much. It's it's nice to know that there's someone else that's coming in and is like, no, 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 I've, I've shared that frustration. Because yeah. um, that can almost be validating in a way that you're like, okay, cool, so I'm not being crazy about feeling that particular way yeah i was i was i mean speaking of you being frustrated i was sort of i was expecting you to ask me about sort of brave noise as well and sort of like it feels like i really i really liked your i think it was an instagram post where you like listed out was that was i it probably was yeah i did i did i did well, the commonly, basically the common reasons, reasons that people give. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the common yeah. reasons that people gave, which I very much understood those reasons behind it. I very much did. Um, but I thought, you know, these are all the reasons that we have been given in the past. And I think there was a lack of information around um, why, you know, some people felt they didn't have all the information for whatever reason. And so I was like, well, guess what? We've had the conversation now, so I'll answer all these questions to the best of my ability. Um from my viewpoint I can't speak for brave noise I'm not you know one of the brave noise team by any means I just try to preach it everywhere I go yeah, no, <laughs> even not. when it doesn't fit in I'm like hey so about brave like, I've gone in <laughs> I've gone into like coffee shops and I'm like oh girls that grind coffee they've uh put that in an international women's collaboration brew day beer also that brewery did uh something for brave noise let's talk about it like I will find any way to talk about it but I I think the thing is it's um 
the reason at least I can't speak for Joe but the reason why I didn't sort of ask about it and it's very it's actually interesting that you've mentioned it the reason I didn't ask about it was because very similar to how you felt about mentioning charities I I have no issue asking difficult questions I've no you know that's not a problem as you (laughs) I asked loads of questions um it was very much that I didn't you know where I wanted to focus on your brewery and I didn't you know we didn't have a pre-chat about Brave Noise I didn't want to blindside you and then make you feel like you were forced into saying something or taking a stance on something that you maybe hadn't thought about before and I, I know I didn't want to put you on the spot and make anything uncomfortable for you that we hadn't discussed about in advance um because it's it's one of those things that I didn't want I don't want anyone to feel bullied into doing something I know some people like well if if they're bullied into it that's fine but we had just spoken about charities and you going I don't want people to you know think I'm doing it for the wrong reason and and I wouldn't want to make you feel like you were talking about brave noise for the wrong reason if that if that makes sense in any kind yeah no it does it does it does it does make sense I think uh, like today I was thinking oh what what might they ask me about let's do some revision um and I think I, 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 expe- I expected you to ask me about it due to like it being sort of like in the same world, I suppose. Um, it's, I'm fine that you didn't, but I, I suppose my, th- what I was sort of expecting to say is like, I really appreciated your the post because it was like, here are all the reasons why you can't say no sort of thing. And I, I like that sort of that, that way to look at it. And I, I ended up sort of thinking, about why I have said no so far, I suppose. And I think that that helps you then go, okay, but then this is the threshold for me then saying yes. Um, and and I think that what I like about Brave Noise is that it's so organised and sort of, I don't know if the word is right, but it's so sort of defined, if you know what I mean. Like it's very, very well defined. And I think that that sort of, that moment that, craft beer in the UK had like whatever it was a year ago nine months ago is that it was all a little bit like asking Siobhan to do a lot of do a lot of emotional work work that she really shouldn't have had to do on her own or publicly had to do at all like should have had to do at all and so I think eventually we will do a brave noise one I didn't like I didn't I learned a load from your post I didn't know that you could start to tweak the recipe um it was that's the thing is a lot of people didn't like know that. those things and and I yeah. seized that opportunity of where we got to speak to Ash and Ren to be like I'm thinking in my brain uh from the start like the interview we did with them and, and this is where I I won't let imposter syndrome take over I'm going to pat myself on the back for the interview that we did with them because I think and Joe as well pat us on the back because I think yeah. I went in that's with it. the mind <laughs> thank you um we went in with the mindset of okay well I'm going to ask questions that I think somebody that's in the industry if they happen to be listening to this or someone that wants to challenge their favorite brewery to ask them why they don't do it so that they're armed with the information they need to say yeah but the brave noise team have said you don't need x you don't need y so it was stuff like you know we were told you know don't have you know in, I understand your situation like when you're cookie brewing you don't always have like the most open schedule to be able to kind of brew whatever you want whenever you yeah. want to a degree like it is more limited so I was kind of like okay so I went in and I asked the question of if somebody has something in tank already can they just use that can they just reskin something they have and they were like well if they're if they follow all the other rules like for them 
not to put words in their mouth, but quite literally what they said to us was for them, it was way more important that you follow the rules of having the code of conduct and that you were doing the right things. The recipe was to them like secondary. They were like, if you want to do that, fine. If you want to use the design we've given you, fine. If you want to take the recipe, fine. Like it's more important that we know that you're listening and that you're dedicated to the cause. Mm. And, and they kind of went through the stats, of like, you know, when everyone did the all together beer, cause of lockdown that had so many breweries sign up. And when yeah. they had the black is beautiful, that had so many breweries sign up. So what is it about brave noise that is not getting more people to participate? Yeah. So that's why I tried to make sure I asked those questions because I wanted to be able to go back and say, well, to answer your question, you know, you're telling me you don't have enough room in your brew schedule, just as an example. Well, that doesn't matter. Do you have something in tank that you'd be willing to reskin and work with a charity yeah. for? Like, it's quite, quite simply, it was that, that basic. Yeah. And it's very, um, I don't handle compliments very well. I'm very self-deprecating. <laughs> so the fact that you were like, I, I learned a lot from your post. So I was like, that no, was good. Oh. <laughs> I, I just mean, want to melt for that. But no, it was, it was good. I, as I, I, I felt, I sort of was looking about at it today and sort of thinking, well, I should have done that. And then I was trying to sort of, I think the reasons I didn't was that I didn't want to, again, I didn't really want to sort of release one of the three first beers. I didn't want it to be on the back of Brave Noise and get sales off that sort of thing. Because I think there's an element of, you have to be big enough to contribute to the cause rather than from it sort of thing. Um, And I think that, but I think Cuckoo Brewers could do it. Definitely. I don't see why not. And I think, uh, I didn't. I didn't really realize that you could amend the the recipe quite so much as you can, and I think that that would be interesting to me. And I didn't really realize. But then I think the other thing is like the code of conduct is just me, and it's like, well, I'd love to write a code of conduct, and I I know I would stick to it, but it's also a bit like it feels a bit performative, I suppose, for for my my personal situation right now. Um, but yeah, definitely, I I'd, I'd be hoping to do that in the next sort of three to six months if if everything else goes well and so as I say I was expecting it to come up just because it's sort of another charitable sort of angle to or yeah even, even more than charitable it's it's sort of making change I suppose isn't it um, yeah yeah I think there's a lot of breweries that are doing the right thing and 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 I've said it before like there's so many breweries that are doing the right thing and I'm like all you got to do is like I know I say all you got to do is if it's not you know <laughs> you know there isn't steps to do I mean there is steps to do but I personally don't think that you know we ran through it like lightning speed and it's literally like they will help you along the way they are responsive they are flexible they are willing to work with you if you're already doing the right things like okay for you at the moment it's just you but you can write a code of conduct that you know is going to be scalable as you scale your brewery out yep that kind of stuff so it it puts your values out there yeah. Even if it's you're just like this is the code of conduct that I go by. So here are yeah. my values, and here are Spookton's values. Yeah, you're sure. Like, I don't think that's performative. I think that's brave. That's making a brave noise. <laughs> we somehow managed to take an interview, <laughs> bring it back around to brave noise. I, <laughs> I do, appre- I do appreciate that though, because like, like I said, I mean, there was also, like I said, it's just when I say like we, you know, have the conversation beforehand. Like for anyone listening, we don't really have a conversation beforehand of here's everything I'm going to ask you by any means um it's it's more that like I would have the courtesy if I was going to ask someone something like that to be like FYI 
we're gonna start recording i'm gonna ask you this um and i just kind <laughs> of like, like drop the bombs on people as no, if all of a sudden i'm like way. gonna ask you about you and and about brave noise as someone that we have like no existing relationship <laughs> gonna ask you that question so i think that was actually really cool that you've, you've but, actually yeah. just said you've thought about it so. but i, I don't yeah I, I think it shouldn't be so much of a bomb or viewed as so much a bomb i think it should be just like hey why haven't, why haven't you done that yeah and then finding out why sort of thing and I think that's I think that's interesting and I don't think that needs to be um I I wouldn't view it as aggressive if you asked me that I don't know if I would feel differently if I had a big flipping brewery I don't know but I think I think it's okay to have those sorts of conversations um, I completely agree I think difficult conversations difficult conversations are important and we've had that conversation before when we did uh, when we spoke to the guys at Beer Fridge we were like there's going to be a difficult conversation both of us should be free and open to ask whatever the you know it's coming yeah. from a place of genuine curiosity no one's trying to be a you know snarky no one's trying to be rude no one's trying to be aggressive malicious like any of that so let's put those caveats to the yeah, side yeah. and ask ourselves the difficult conversations that we know yeah, other yeah. people will be thinking and want to ask and let's just get all that out of the way and and it ended up like a really enlightening conversation um yeah. I think it's just like for me, it's different. It's different when you're going into a conversation, knowing that that's going to be the topic. Right. No, no, no. I mean, like, I, I just, I think it's quite interesting. It's like it is different. Like in my mind, it was like, oh, when you're going into that conversation, you know, that's the topic. You almost kind of feel like, okay, I can ask those more difficult conversations. But in my brain, I think that then goes back to the imposter syndrome of like, oh well, because we hadn't met you before. If I start asking this, are you going to think that we're being? like a gra- like yeah. you kind are of learn it's back to that aggra- like are you being that. aggressive when it's assertive yeah. and it's all that yeah. kind of yeah. thing so it's funny it's syndrome <laughs> full circle, circle. <laughs> yeah maybe yeah oh cool i'm cool. glad uh, we, uh, we recorded again we started we recorded yeah, yeah. good, luck, good luck editing yeah it's gonna be great <laughs> yeah. thank you again this it's again excellent thank you very much for having me Imposter syndrome. I love it. Imposter syndrome. <laughs> I, good, that was such a good chat. I mean, 100% ask me about my imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm always, just honestly... And, just go uh, back and listen to <laughs> our long conversation we just had about it. I, I genuinely mean it, though. Like, when I was saying, when I was asking the questions to John about, you know, his thoughts on, on it and everything, because I really do feel like, for me anyways, I found it quite comforting to speak to other people who had said, like oh yeah I've been doing this for 20 plus years and I still feel you know this way it's just it gets easier with time but it doesn't 100% go away and it like made me feel more comfortable in a weird way like I know that sounds like a weird thing to say um but I do feel like it really helps to have those conversations and I'm hoping that by us sharing our feelings other people you know it's what it's it's opened up a wider conversation like I'd be willing to have a whole podcast episode just sharing stories of imposter syndrome because I feel like it is that important but please do reach out I might you know people go on my dms are my dms genuinely are always open like if you want to have a shared conversation about imposter syndrome like please feel free to share it ask whatever questions you want about it like I'm pretty much an open book I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody about it if it will make you feel better on the topic and maybe you don't have that support system that we talked about like I have with Joe and like the other wonderful people in our community um I'm happy to be that support system for you and like you'll message me and go here's the thing and I'll go back yourself (laughs) so here's here's a tip that I should have said while we were recording and I I didn't um that I picked up from 
the online business world. Start yourself and like Evernote, some oh, sort yeah, of note this. app, right? Get yourself a little note app on your phone. Start yourself a notebook and you're going to add notes to it. And you're going to call that I am a badass. And in there, you're going to take like screenshots of things that make you feel like you are the boss. Like I've got ones where like people have said that they had an amazing time in one of my lessons. I've got like where we've had reviews on the podcast where people have loved it. I've got little stories where people have said that our podcast has made them brave and they have they've gone and followed their dreams. Like put stuff like that. The thing I was thinking as well while we're talking about it, the one that I need to add in there that I haven't yet is um, my bio from the Women in Beer Festival when we when they were introducing that I was going to be on a panel where and like I wrote it myself <laughs> but it was like I was like oh what do I need to put in there um I'm a certified Cicerone I'm a podcast host I'm a beer educator and I now I'm an assistant events manager in beer oh that's quite a lot of good things and I've accomplished all of that by myself Add that to the notebook that says, I am a badass because I am a boss. Look at all the things I've done. And then when you're having a bad day or your imposter syndrome can, it's showing up. You go to that notebook and you read it and you remind yourself about why you are a boss. Go do it now. Yeah, I, I remember when you first told me that tip mm. and then I started like saving little things. And like every so often I'm like, oh, in that time that that person said that one really nice thing, like... Put it oh, in your notebook. That's great. Like, yeah. I, it's... It doesn't even have to be a, on your phone. It could be an actual <laughs> notebook. Write down nice things that people have said. It'll make you feel better. Or a, f- a folder on your, if you've got yeah. a PC, a folder, folder on, on your PC desktop. and you can snip it, yep. stuff and save it in the folder. And Do it. It, that is actually a really good idea because the amount of times that like you want to look back and be like, what actually, I mean, I don't just do it for like when people say nice things. Like I've done it where, you know, I'm like, cool. You've we got invited. An accomplishment, right? We've, exactly. We've been invited been to do something that I never thought would happen. Like, cool, boom, that goes in there. Yeah. Or like, um, when we did the brave noise with Mirakai, and I like we had our bios of like our, you know, who we were and so on. I was like, I am gonna put that in. Or like, what brave noise meant to us. I was like, save that put in there. That, in that there. was like a really cool thing that I got to yeah. do. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's a really good tip because it does make you feel like a total badass when you're like, yeah. what? I felt like such a boss bitch. I was like, yes, I did all those things. Yeah. It makes you feel like the only way I can describe it is like Lizzo. Yeah. So sometimes I think to myself, your, what would Lizzo be do? You're in a Lizzo because she is a boss. I just think like, how would Lizzo feel about this? Right. And then I'm like, feel that way. <laughs> just, just feel that way. Um, because get out of my way. I'm playing that crystal flute. <laughs> Don't care who's pissed off about it. Yeah. It's happening. Don't care. Badass. You ain't never heard of that crystal flute until Liz, I played it. Be quiet. A hundred percent. I fucking did not. Nobody knows I absolutely did. No one. Then all of a sudden, can I be real with you? I forgot that James Madison was even a fucking president. (laughs) That's how irrelevant (laughs) that flute was. Irrelevant. (laughs) Irrelevant. Until Liz, I made it so. I'm not saying presidencies or I'm just don't take this out of context by any means. <laughs> but also, I was like James Madison. Who's that? Oh yeah, president. And then I was like, get it, girl. <laughs> and then everyone got mad, and I was like, you're just jealous. You're just jealous <laughs> you didn't get to play the flute. You didn't get to play the crystal flute. You didn't think about doing it. If I tried jealous. playing it, it would be just sad. 
don't hate the but players. Anyways, the game. That is truly like uh when I'm what I also do when I'm feeling really shit is like I've got a playlist. Oh yeah, you got called... a good playlist. <laughs> I have a playlist that I think is just called um Bad Bitch or something like that. Yes. And that's why I put all my bad bitch anthems and obviously Lizzo's on there as well. So like <laughs> obviously. Um Tori, if people want to ask you what's on your bad bitch playlist. Where if can you wanna, they get hold of you? If you want to find out my bad bitch playlist or you want to ask me about my imposter syndrome um, and have a nice, meaningful conversation about that, uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at adventures underscore in underscore optimism. Uh, you can, I don't know why you would, but you can email me at adventuresandoptimism at gmail.com. <laughs> if you don't need to email for that, that's email well, success. You can send them the it? link to it. Okay, well, yeah, I could, I could actually Spotify that to share. Um, oh god, that'd be embarrassing. But yeah, I could do that. <laughs> um, or I barely use the TikTok, but I'm on TikTok. But yes, ventures and optimism on there. And then, um, if you email the podcast, you will probably get me as your first point of call if you email there. Uh, and that is a women's brew. At, is it a women's brew podcast? A women's brew podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> a women's brew podcast at gmail.com. So we are but if you couldn't yeah. tell, we sort of yeah. clarified at the beginning both with John <laughs> that we are uh both losing our voices for two different reasons. And uh so we are ready to have some tea and go to bed, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, a women's brew podcast at gmail.com. I definitely set it up and I definitely know the email address. Um <laughs> And I would definitely probably be the first person that responds to it if you email there. Uh, you can also get us on Instagram, but I'll hand that over to Joa. <laughs> Joe, um, where can people talk to you about your imposter syndrome? Don't talk to me about my imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome is real. We've established that in this podcast. Um, you can find me at my beer school because I run a beer school. Um, it's you, not learning. we. <laughs> I, I run you. a beer school. It's called Love Beer Learning. It's on Instagram, Facebook twitter tiktok and pinterest um i have a website that i built myself and it is called lovebeerlearning.co.uk and there is an email address lovebeerlearning at gmail.com if you want to talk to me about all of the different things that i do because i do a lot of stuff because i am a boss the imposter syndrome is out the door right now um and you can find the podcast on instagram and on youtube as a woman's brew i think that's all of it we're gonna go kick the rest okay. of this imposter syndrome get, finish this syndrome, syndrome off uh, for tonight until tomorrow when i'm like mm. all right ah. on that note joe cheers, cheers.